Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Keeping Up with the G-Men. I'm your host, Christian Morell, and this is my co-host, Anthony Rivardo. Anthony, how you doing today? I'm okay, just getting ready for the hurricane. Have to evacuate school, but also excited to watch the Giants tonight. So, do you have to evacuate tomorrow? Yeah, I'm going to hit the road tomorrow. It's about a three-hour drive to safety, so... Jeez. God, well, yeah, it's, that's going to take up my whole day. Well, I hope it all works out, and I'm glad you can also watch the game tonight um, against the Patriots. And Pat Shermer has already said that, you know, you can assume that most of the starters won't be playing, and that's probably the same for the Patriots, but at least we'll get to see Daniel Jones start a game. Right, yeah, that's very exciting. I'd like to. I'm excited to see how he performs. Um, not having time to adjust, just going straight out there and playing. And it is a little bit of a shame that we didn't get to see him play against any starters this preseason. I feel like maybe he should have started last week just so that we could see him play against the true defense. But we're in week four, and we're not going to see it this time. But maybe, um, maybe the Patriots will give him a, a little. A little tough competition, and, you know, I know it's preseason, so the defense is pretty vanilla, but you never know. Maybe Belichick throws out signature move, and we get to see how Daniel Jones reacts. Well, yeah, there's a chance he'll want some starters out there, and Daniel got a little bit of time against some of the Bengals starters last week, and, man, he got whacked on one of those plays. Right, yeah, I had everybody holding their breath. That was pretty scary, but similar to how Eli always does it. He just got right up and then made a great throw on the next play. Yeah, that was really amazing. Daniel Jones didn't throw a touchdown pass last week, but very impressive with his 11 of 14 and 161 yards. Uh, A lot of plays down the field, like we were saying. Uh, Another 30-yarder to uh, Britton Golden. And he actually had a punt return for a touchdown, uh, 68 yards. What did you think of Golden? Golden looked pretty good. I liked that catch from Daniel Jones. That was a great diving effort. Made a play on the ball and got it. But the punt return was awesome, and we haven't seen the Giants have a real impact from that position in a while. But let's not forget, he did fumble a punt in that same game, so... Was it a flash in the pan? Was it, you know, a little bit of a fluke touchdown? Or who knows, maybe the fumble was a fluke. And he's got one more game to prove it, prove if he is a uh, real punt returner on this team. And I hope he is, man, because, yeah, we haven't had a good one in a while. Well, according to the career that Britton Golden has had so far, that was absolutely a flash in the pan because it was his first uh, return touchdown uh, at least of as far as I know it's just preseason, but he's never done it in the regular season in his four years in the league. So, um, you know, I mean, I thought he did a good job and, you know, definitely timed it right when he bounced it out. So that much was good. But, uh, you know, the other starters in the first half last week looked pretty good. Um, Eli, you know, he went right down the field and, you know, at least they got a field goal out of it. Uh, and, and he looks to be just a little more sharp this year. What do you, what do you think of him? 
Well, I definitely think all the talk about his arm strength, he's backed it up so far. His arm looks stronger. There's more zip on those balls. And one thing that I've noticed, he's he's been a little more aggressive, which is good, because last season I thought he played way too conservative, way too many checkdowns, would never throw past the sticks. But he's thrown past the sticks a few times in the preseason, and uh, one play that comes to mind is that pass to the end zone to Cody Latimer. He fitted in between two defenders, and... Latimer had a really good shot at making a play on that ball. It went through his hands, but I like to see the aggressiveness from Eli. Yeah, and he looks to me like he is actually just throwing the ball harder, whether he's actually gained much strength or not. Um, you know, maybe. But uh, And the, as far as the wide receivers, I thought Cody, Mad- Cody Latimer looked good. But, you know, like you were saying with letting balls go through his hands sometimes uh, – but as far as all the other guys, all of them have really just flashed here and there all throughout camp. So it's going to be interesting to see if one guy really emerges tonight. Right, and also with Eli, let's not forget to mention the highlight of the game when Eli just took off with his 4.24 40-yard dash time blocking downfield for Wayne <laughs> Gallman. <laughs> yeah, you know. I mean, that was pretty cool. Man, I... I get that, you know, it's it's pretty neat to see Eli do this stuff at this point, but I'm so upset that it took drafting a quarterback in the first round to get this extra juice out of Eli Manning. Yeah, I mean, I know what you mean, but I, it was just cool to see. I, I wish that, obviously, Eli had been better over the past few years, so we weren't at this point, but, you know, it is what it is, and... You know, competition never hurts anybody. So if if Daniel Jones is what it takes to get Eli to play up to the level he should be at, then so be it. And I'm excited to see what Eli's got in store this season. Yeah, and I hate to just suck the fun out of it because it was pretty uh, neat to see Eli, you know, really get running faster than I've ever seen. But <laughs> Right. <laughs> but, um, yeah, you know, the past is what it is, you know. So here we are. And uh, another guy that really stood out to me last week on the defense was Dexter Lawrence. He, he just continues to walk defenders into the quarterback. Yeah, big Dex making an impact on the defensive line. I knew he would be an instant impact player, but one thing I haven't seen too much of from him is any pressure, and I'm hoping that that's just because of limited playing time. I, I, I had a lot of high hopes for him as a pass rusher from the interior, and we haven't really seen it yet. So I, I'm not even sure if he's going to play tonight, but if he does, I'd like to see him get a pressure. And if not, I, I don't, I'm not too worried about it. I think I'm still confident he's going to be applying pressure in the regular season. I am too, and he hasn't really been really in line for a sack yet, but you can just see the way that he collapses the pocket and – could really create opportunities for other guys once the quarterback reacts to him. So, and then on that first uh, first pass last week, you know he he got his hand up and batted it down, really just because he was so far in the backfield. You know he really wasn't jumping for it. So that was really cool to see. Uh, one guy that, and I know it's just preseason, but one guy that I was a little concerned with last week was Jabril Peppers. He I hate to say it, but he almost reminded me a little bit of Collins, the way he, you know, creeped up and let C.J. Uzoma get behind him. 
Yeah, that was a little scary. It was a little too reminiscent of the former 21, Collins. But I know there was a lot of debate about that play on Twitter because, um, and even amongst reporters, someone brought it up with Pat Shermer. But according to those who broke it down and according to Shermer himself, it wasn't completely, um, wow, I almost called him Collins. It wasn't completely Pepper's fault. It was Ballantyne was supposed to rotate over and he didn't get there in time. But Shermer also did add, yeah, we'd like to see a little tighter coverage on that play from Peppers. So it was a little combination of both of them. And again, those miscommunications, I was really hoping they'd have them ironed out by week three. But looks like they haven't been ironed out completely yet. And yeah, I definitely need to see um, see a little better uh, pass coverage from Jabril Peppers. Yeah, and it was one of those plays where it's, you know, it's just preseason. It's a simple miscommunication. It really didn't. It really doesn't indicate anything about, you know, his his ability to cover anybody one on one when he's actually lined up on him. You know, I'm I'm sure it wouldn't have looked like that if Jabil Peppers was just in man to man coverage there. Right, and that's what we really need to see is Jabril Peppers be able to line up on tight ends and running backs in man coverage because that's what Landon Collins couldn't do. That's when Collins would get burned and turned to a liability. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I thought the cornerback play was pretty solid last week. Uh, the pass rush uh, really still doesn't look so great. But O'Shane Zimenez looks like he might actually force his way onto the field as a rookie. He has uh, three sacks now in the preseason. Yeah, that's right. He's got three sacks. Two in uh, two against the Bears, or, or uh, against the Bengals, I'm sorry, and I believe one against the Bears. Yeah, you know, he's he's really looked like a natural pass rusher. And I think that's the huge difference between him and Lorenzo Carter because Lorenzo Carter has all these elite physical tools and he's it's just so hard for him to really learn how to wield them. But Simenez is more not not an average athlete cuz he is pretty quick, but you know, he's he's just more of a football player than an athlete. Yeah, and we definitely need to talk about Lorenzo Carter because that's probably the player that I'm most disappointed in so far this preseason because, you know, once camp started up, it looked like Carter was just all over the place. He was pressuring the Giants quarterbacks every play in practice. He was just, he was balling out. And then preseason, we really haven't seen it. He hasn't had a sack. I haven't seen him get much pressure. There's only been one play where he stood out and he had a little spin move to get around and still didn't get pressure on the play but he's just been really disappointing so of course it is really good to see O'Shane Zimenez uh, you know stepping up and filling in where Carter just isn't yeah uh, and O'Shane was you know they were both third round picks uh, O'Shane was actually drafted a little later so really the expectations should be a tad higher for Lorenzo Carter Yes, especially entering his second season and absolutely. supposedly losing or gaining 15 pounds of muscle. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I wrote an article about Lorenzo Carter recently, and he's the draft pick of Dave Gettleman that I am most worried about, and mainly because in his entire career at Georgia, he did not develop his pass rushing repertoire, and... 
if he didn't do it then, why is he just going to magically do it now? He had four years of college experience to really learn how to do those things. And to just think he's going to take a massive jump now that he's with the Giants. I mean, I understand the coaching might be a little better now, and they might be able to teach him some different things. But what? why, why is it going to change now? I mean, I think the guy is probably just going to end up being a pass rushing specialist and not even not even a great one well yeah I think of course the idea is that NFL coaching will lead him to expand his horizons and become a good pass rusher but we just haven't seen it yet and that's the problem we were promised all these things heading into his second year and they still haven't shown up so if he does become just a pass rushing specialist, fine, it is what it is. He's he's a third-round pick, so sometimes that's just what you get. But the Giants are in serious trouble on, on the edge on defense because if Lorenzo Carter doesn't step up and make some sort of impact this year, then we're going out there with Kareem Martin, who I'm not a huge fan of, and Marcus Golden, who has injury problems and I'm still not a huge fan of, despite showing some some pass rush productivity in the preseason. Um, it's just the Giants eventually do need to take a pass rusher in the first round. It's been a little while, and we had the chance this soft season. and I know Daniel Jones has looked great, and I'm not upset about it anymore, but it's just they need to emphasize getting a pass rusher sooner or later. These third-round players, while sometimes they may flash and look good, it's a bigger-picture kind of thing. We need to get a premier pass rusher sooner than later if we want to be competitive. Yeah, in the third round, pass rushers have one of the lowest hit rates because it's it's a position that people need so badly that you're not really leaving many good options in the third round. You know, the first couple of rounds, teams are going to eat that up. So... But, you know, it, I respect them for at least making their picks count elsewhere instead of reaching for it. Because when they actually do get the edge player, it's more like completing the puzzle instead of, you know, still having all these other spots to fill because you've, you've been taking empty shots on edge rushers. Yeah, and I mean, Dave Gettleman has done a, a pretty good job drafting so far. Uh, you can debate his first-round selections and whether they were reaches or wrong positional value, whatever, but his second round picks, they've both been great. Um, I love, uh, well, we didn't have a second round this year, but I love Will Hernandez. I think he is spectacular. I know he's been having a couple problems with penalties and matching up against some players in the preseason, but he'll have that worked out fine. Third rounder last year, B.J. Hill, he was great last year. He's put together two solid drafts so far, but Still, we need to emphasize getting a pass rusher soon. Yeah, I agree, and I, you know, I don't doubt that within the next two years they'll they'll get one in here in the first round. Um, you know, they were really close to it this year, but I think we're seeing why they didn't, and it's really just because Daniel is looking like everything they imagined. Yeah, and nobody's happier about that than I am. I mean. I was pretty upset about the pick at first, but as soon as they drafted him, I said, it's not who I want, but it's who we got, and it's who I'm going to root for, and I'm going to love him because he's a Giants player, and he's a quarterback, and I love watching quarterbacks, so that's that, and I'm really happy that he hasn't 
disappointed me, and he's really just looked he's looked phenomenal, and I hope that eventually, at the end of all of this, we can look back and say Dave Gettleman was crazy, but he was right, and that would be really cool. I th- I think that's probably going to be the way it goes because Daniel Jones just looks too good right now to not not pan out. I mean, I I'm sorry, but I'm saying it 3 weeks in. I'm convinced that the kid can play. Well, when I evaluated him before the draft, I th- saw him as he's going to be a starter. I I had no doubt in my mind about that, but I wasn't so sure if he could be an elite starter. I always thought before the draft, I was thinking he's going to be a good level, average starter. He could be on the Prescott level or Alex Smith, uh, maybe Ryan Tannehill at the worst. But in the preseason, the po- the poise that he's had, that's so similar to Eli Manning's. And the arm strength has just been so surprising because it didn't look that good in, pre- in uh, college. But it's looked really good so far. And just the accuracy and ball placement... I think he really has a chance now to be an elite-level starter. And I know it is only preseason, so maybe I am overreacting, and I probably am because I am too big of a Giants fan not to be biased. But he's just surpassed all expectations, despite what anybody might try to say. He's looked like he really has the potential to be an elite quarterback. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, Gettleman has been a very happy man throughout August. Um, you know, and uh, Shermer is really just kind of given subtle told you so's to the media. <laughs> yeah, definitely, and he deserves to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so overall, I thought the offensive line was a pretty mixed bag against the Bengals. Uh, you know, the, the one time they really let Jones get killed out there, but he popped right back up, thank God. Um, the running backs actually played pretty well. I mean, Rod Smith really had the kind of third preseason game he needed to even be considered to stay on this roster. Yeah, and Rod Smith, Paul Perkins, Jonathan Hilliman, tonight is a big night for all three of them because I don't think all I think maybe only one of them is going to be on the roster after this game. It's a it's a good way to segue into our next topic of the bubble players and we've got quite a few on this roster because we have a lot more depth than we did last year and especially a running back uh we got a little competition going back up quarterback and a lot of receiver depth so personally i like perkins more than rod smith but perkins hasn't really shown up to play through the preseason like that so it's going to be a good battle tonight well he's at least flashed the receiving ability uh, he has not had really any success on the ground other than maybe like an eight-yard gain. But Perkins at least looks like he runs tough to me. And he doesn't really provide that that reserve, you know, bruiser in case Barkley, you know, needs a break or whatever. But he kind of he kind of provides that receiving ability of Barkley. So I, I would probably try to keep him on the roster compared to Rod Smith. Yeah, me too, and I think Gallman's a really good runner, and Perkins is a pretty good receiver, so I think that if Barkley's not in, you know, taking a breather because he just ran for 300 yards, then those two can fill in just fine. And Elijah Penny is, you know, 
probably going to be on this roster as the fullback. So, you know, he's another option for some, you know, some tough carries if, if needed. Yeah, I think Penny's job is secure. And one thing that I really like about Elijah Penny is that he's a pretty good receiver himself. Um, when Pat Shermer split him out wide and they threw a, uh, a fullback screen out wide, I mean, that was a pretty awesome thing to see. I like the creativity from Shermer, and I like the receiving ability of Elijah Penny, and I think he is a really underrated player in the Giants roster. Yeah, I agree. Um, there's definitely some receivers here, and uh, you know, a couple of them were just out in a recent article about tough players to to release and uh tj jones i mean two weeks ago you couldn't imagine saying this but he might get caught yeah i i'm not i'm not so convinced i just i think that he's shown enough to be on the team and i i get there's a lot of depth on this roster at that position and a lot of it they're all slot receivers and that's the main problem with tj jones is that he's also a slot receiver but I feel like he's been productive enough and he's shown enough to secure a spot. The problem is I think a lot of guys are on that level. I mean, I think T.J. Jones has shown that he, he he belongs on a roster this year, but maybe not the Giants. Maybe not, and if that's the case, I'll definitely be rooting for Alonzo Russell because I'm a big Alonzo Russell fan, and I think he was great in training camp, but... Hasn't gotten too many opportunities in preseason, which is a little disappointing to me. But I still think that he is an outside receiver. He's got a big body, nice frame, and he's got some speed on him. So if TJ Jones has to get cut, I I need to see Alonzo Russell stay on the team. Yeah, he's another guy who's on the bubble just because of how many names there are. But, I mean, is there more you could really love about the guy? He separates down the field. He tries hard on every play. You know, he even on special teams. Uh, he has the right attitude. I mean, he's six foot four. I mean, not only a deep threat, but super tall. So, I, mean, I, I see a lot of value with this guy. I, I think they'll find a way to keep him. Yeah, I think so too, and I really hope so. But these aren't the only two receivers that we even have on the bubble. Obviously, we we touched a little bit on Britton Golden earlier, and we still got Russell Shepard and Benny Fowler, too, who could get cut. And it's just interesting. I'm not sure who they're going to keep and who they're going to let go, but I think tonight's game is going to be really, really important for all these receivers. Whoever, I think whoever plays best in this game is probably going to be the one to stay, and if someone disappoints, they might just have to get cut. Yeah, maybe, and... You know, as far as Britton Golden, uh, you know, like I said earlier, no touchdown, no punt return touchdowns in the regular season. So probably a lucky play in the preseason, not to be negative, but, you know, it's really not something he's done before. So I, I don't see how they could keep this guy. But I will say I think they need to be cautious about, you know, maybe needing another punt returner because – it, it's nice to imagine Jabril Peppers returning punts, but he just played defense. I mean, there's going to be plenty of drives where he doesn't really want to go back there for the punt return, and he wouldn't really be the most effective guy because he, he just grinded it out for 10 plays. Yeah, I'm never really a fan of having a starting star player, one of your premier players, offense or defense, going out there and returning punts. Just... 
flat out because of the injury risk. Even when Golden Tate's back, I'm not really a big fan of him going out there, even though it's kind of just what he does is making people miss tackles. I'm not a fan of him going out there to return punts, and I'm definitely not a fan of Jabril Peppers. So maybe Britton Golden does have a place on that team for that reason alone. Yeah, I mean, maybe. It's not, if the, I think the key there is going to be if he's actually doing this in practice. because And he has been part of the rotation for punt returns in practice. And if he's really doing it there, then maybe. But I don't think that they would keep him on the roster for that one return alone. But, uh, yeah, the Golden Tate, you know, he's he's a really shifty kind of guy who doesn't get really hit very often, so I don't really mind him returning punts. But, I mean, to be honest, I, I don't mind anybody returning punts. To me, it's just another play. Uh, you know, Antonio Brown has been returning punts for a long time, and I think it has to do with the player and really how aware they are of their surroundings. If, if it's a guy that's prone to getting hit really hard you know I'm I'm probably not putting him back there yeah and that's a totally fair point but I just think it could be considered a slight unnecessary risk just due to the fact that how often do you really see a long punt return how often do you see a punt return touchdown but you can call a fair catch and you can still put together a touchdown drive and so I just think putting a premier player there is somewhat unnecessary just even risking getting injured on that extra play based on the success rate i can see what you mean there um to be honest i would like to see barkley returning here and there there was so many close games last year and while barkley was already keeping the team in those games imagine him in the open field i mean i would love to see that guy (laughs) return some punts and kicks yeah, I'm okay with that if it's at a close game and it's a little bit of a de- desperation move and, you know, we need a big play and we got to come back and that's fine. But if it was Barkley going out there every single time, that wouldn't be fine to me. I mean, that would just be scary. But, yeah, if we if we need a big play, they used to do it with Odell too if we need a big play, although he never really pulled through. Then, yeah, I don't mind seeing Barkley go out there. And he was a pretty phenomenal kick returner in college, so that would be pretty exciting to see. Absolutely. And, you know, ironically enough, every time the two times Odell returned a punt for a touchdown, they was called back for a holding. So, right. I don't know. Maybe if he was a nicer guy, it would have worked out. I don't know. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but, yeah, Barkley did do that in college. And, man, it would just be nice to see once in a while. And,. Those kinds of athletes don't take many hard hits. The guy has great vision, and it wouldn't be often that some he really, you know, doesn't account for somebody and gets whacked on the blind side. But, um, yeah, so another guy is Benny Fowler, and he, yeah, he's been lining up for first-team reps and all that, but receivers have also been hurt. And he does have an issue with drops, so... You know, while he's flashed and caught Daniel Jones' first touchdown pass in the preseason, uh, I think they have too many sure-handed receivers to keep this guy. Yeah, I'm not going to forget anytime soon Daniel Jones' first first training camp practice. I was there, and he drops back, and he looks deep and fires a bomb down the field. Benny Fowler is just uncovered somehow, and it goes straight through his hands. 
And that was the most disappointing thing because it was Daniel Jones's first deep pass of the training camp, and everybody was excited as soon as he let it rip, and it was so deflating to watch that ball just fall through Benny Fowler's hands. So Benny Fowler drops problem. You know, just imagine if that was in a game and that happened. That's that's the concern. You don't want to see Benny Fowler go out there in a game situation and drop a pass. No, and I know the team liked him in blocking situations last year, but I mean, you really, you really shouldn't be having Benny Fowler out there. To be honest, right. I mean, he was a reserve receiver for the Broncos for four years, uh, and you know, while he has a little bit of speed to him, he averaged eight point one yards per reception in his four years with the Broncos. I mean, the guy has just really not been able to do much, and he's on a he's on a strong unit here. I mean, you have Shepard, Tate, Latimer looks good. You're excited about Slayton. I mean, where, where does Fowler really fit in here? So, you know, I, I don't see them keeping him. Yeah, me neither. And I, I do like Russell Shepard a good bit. I liked his, obviously, his touchdown reception in the preseason where he took a slant to the house. And uh, he had a couple nice plays last year also. Uh, he had a nice deep reception against the Panthers, and he did catch that touchdown pass from Odell against the Bears. So I like Russell Shepard, and I agree I'm not too confident in Benny Fowler. Yeah, I'm uh, glad you mentioned Russell Shepard. I didn't think he would make the team initially, but he works so hard, man, and I can tell that he has become a better route runner. His His routes out of the slot create so much initial separation that it really doesn't matter that he isn't very fast. He it's a really quick out and in move and it's it's the same play that you're talking about where he he caught his touchdown after, you know, breaking free from that guy grabbing his jersey. But also that long slant pass that he caught earlier in the preseason too. Both of them were off that same double move in the slot and it, it worked great. So, you know, he's he's your third slot receiver if you keep him but he's he's pretty good at that. Yeah, it's again, the Giants just have a lot of depth at receiver, but uh, particularly a lot of depth at slot receiver. And I wish that they had done a little more to find some more outside guys this year, but luckily Cody Latimer has seemed like he's he's ready to step up and be a solid outside receiver, and I'm pretty excited. I think he's looked really good, and I'm excited to see what he can do. Yeah, they, they pictured Latimer and Slayton as those main outside guys, I think. And Shepard also, you know, being adequate out there. He actually had 400 receiving yards uh, out wide last year. So, you know, that's uh, that's nearly half of, half of his production. Yeah, and <clears throat> Latimer's looked good outside and Shepard too, but... Darius Slayton, we'll get back to him, um, he's dealing with another injury. He's tweaked his hamstring once again, and I'm not even sure if he's going to play tonight. And It's starting to get really concerning. Yeah, well, Darius Slayton, I think this has been really a bout of bad luck for him because he only missed two college games in the last two seasons, and I know as a freshman he missed five games. But seriously, two, missing two games the last two years, I would sign up for that with almost any player. I mean, that's that's fine. So, I mean, this has been pretty unfortunate for him, but 
I mean, I'm not saying you were going there, but I don't think his roster spot is in danger at all. No, I don't think his roster spot is in danger at all. I'm just, I'm worried, can he sustain a 16-game season? And you're, you're providing enough evidence to prove that he can, but what if he just can't? And that's going to be really disappointing because I've been. Ex- he was one of the players that I was really excited to watch in the preseason, and we've barely seen him because of this injury. He's really speedy. He ran a nice 40-yard time, and he showed a lot of nice game speed in college, but we just haven't seen it. And I'm hoping, really hoping that he can get healthy for the preseason or for the regular season opener, because I just want to see him play. No, I hear you, and he he flashed in that limited action that he had. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I, I get your point because sometimes guys will have the injuries hit them later on in their mid-20s, and, you know, it's never been a problem for him before. But I think, you know, just based on his track record, you, you can expect to see him, you know, probably probably in October, I would guess. Yeah, and I hope so, but I wish we could see him even sooner. But, you know, maybe it is just, maybe it's a little similar situation to how Odell was when he was in his rookie year and he was dealing with that hamstring and it seemed like that would never end. He missed four games and then when he got his chance to play, obviously it was Odell and he looked great. So I'm just hoping that somehow it's a it's a repeat of history with Darius Slayton. And hamstrings are so easy to re-aggravate. All you have to do is get on the field one or two weeks early, and then you're starting over. And that's what happened to Odell, too. In his rookie year, he tried returning after like a week or two weeks, and he just wasn't ready. And so with those hamstrings, even when you think you're ready to go, you still need another week or two just to really solidify your healing. And so, I mean, I'm not a doctor, but that's oftentimes the way it goes for these guys. Yeah, it often is, but it's just really disappointing to see with Slayton. And, you know, it just adds to the list of injuries that we've had at receiver, obviously, with Corey Coleman going down. And, you know, at least one silver lining of all these receiver injuries is that now we have a lot of depth at the position. And we've got to see a lot of guys play in the preseason who we wouldn't have seen otherwise. And like Britton Golden, like Alonzo Russell. So I'm hoping that, assuming. Uh, um, Darius Slayton isn't playing tonight that we do see a lot of Britton Golden and a lot of Lonzo Russell and we can see who the clear winner is yeah I, I really want to see Russell make this team uh, me too you know I I really can't stress enough how important it is to not only have a tall guy but a fast guy and to have them rolled into one I mean that is really hard to prepare for um but, you know, another position inside linebacker, I mean, it's clear that B.J. Goodson is behind uh, Alec Ogletree, Ryan Connolly, and Tay Davis. But can they manage to keep a fourth inside linebacker? I mean, I, I'd love to see him do it because B.J. Goodson is better than what's out there on the market right now. While he's not great... He's, he's still better than what's out there. So if, if you, I mean, he's obviously not a practice squad candidate because he's going into his fourth season. But I, this is a guy I would hate to let go of. Uh, I mean, I'm not a huge B.J. Goodson fan. I feel like he's never really reached 
that potential that he had. But what what would you think if they tried to trade him? Do you think he he could have a solid market? I think you might get a twenty twenty sixth or seventh rounder. And I think See, that's personally, if, I wouldn't complain. Well, yeah, I mean, if I don't want to lose him for nothing. I mean, if if that was the route they took, you know, I I might even prefer that. But based on the unit really being subpar and Goodson being better than the available free agents, it's just hard for me to want to get rid of Goodson. Because if you go down to, if you get have one injury. Now you're down to two guys who are, like, barely adequate to be on the field. Maybe not even that. And then Goodson isn't the third guy behind them anymore. He's probably playing somewhere else. Goodson, you know, the, the problem I have with releasing him is part of, partially because of depth. Because, you know, if you have one of these guys go down, you know, they're really kind of a subpar unit to begin with and now you don't have bj goodson behind them anymore he's he's probably on another team if you let go of him so you know while the fourth inside linebacker isn't exactly a necessity i i i would appreciate doing that if you know the unit wasn't very good to begin with right but we have seen a lot out of uh ryan Connolly that's looked good and um what the, they have an undrafted rookie, and you might be able to recall his name, but I can't recall it right now. Hosea um, Te, yeah. Teafa? Yeah, yeah sorry. that's it. That's sorry it. if th- I'm yeah, sorry if I'm butchering it. But. Right. What do you think of him and his chances of making the roster? He looks like an excellent practice squad candidate to me. Uh, you know, I would I would like to keep him as well, but I just think he's going to be very raw as a rookie, and. You know, not really anything special in pass coverage either, and that's kind of my issue with Ryan Connolly, even though he looks good in a first and second down role already. But, yeah, Josiah, I uh, I think he's very instinctive and really just has a nose for the ball, and I think that has really jumped out in the preseason games so far. Yeah, I've seen the same, and I, I like him a lot, and I'd probably agree he's a, he's a really good practice practice player and um i think the bj goodson debate is a good one because he's been here a little while and obviously he can't go to the practice squad but i think their best move is to probably look to trade him i don't think it's necessary to have four linebackers on the roster i think they can get by with alec ogletree tay davis and ryan Connolly, and i think that Connolly should probably start out there i think alongside um alec ogletree but only concern is we did see Alec Ogletree get injured last season, so maybe it is necessary to have a fourth on the roster. It would just be tough because if one gets hurt, you're down to two, and you need two on the field. So, you know, I I don't have uh, a chart of how many teams keep four inside linebackers, but I know some do as long as they're in a 3-4. Uh, obviously never when you're in a 4-3, but I actually want Tay Davis on the field with Ogletree because I think their skill sets complement one another, you know, a little better, and I think, uh, you know, Connolly should probably be Ogletree's direct backup, but I'm also open for those two competing for the job. Yeah, and so am I, of course. I think, like I said, competition brings out the best, but 
I don't know. It is really interesting to see how B.J. Goodson has fallen out of this competition. He's really just lost his job in rapid pace, but I, I prefer Connolly of the three, and I think that he should see the most playing time. But, yeah, Tay Davis has looked pretty good in the preseason, too. Yeah, the, oh, man. See, the problem, like, maybe Connolly is a better is going to be a better player overall than Tay Davis. But if I were an offensive coordinator and I saw Ogletree and Connolly on the field together as the two inside linebackers, I'm finding a way to attack the middle of the field in the passing game. I'm not even going to run it. I'm just <laughs> I'm going to make sure I get after those guys. And I've noticed Davis, you know, is decent in coverage. So maybe just from a schematical standpoint, that's why I would do that. Yeah, I would agree. I think uh, under under that circumstance, it makes Tay Davis a necessity to keep on the team. But maybe he could just be a rotational player. Him and Connolly can rotate until Connolly's game develops a little more. Maybe maybe we could see something like that. Yeah, I mean, you know, maybe depending on the situation on the field. But I did like to see Tay Davis get a sack by rushing off the edge as an extra defender last week. That was pretty awesome. Yeah, and it's just he's just been having such a great uh, preseason, so I think he's really secured himself a uh, prominent role on this roster. And since we're speaking of linebacker, um, recent news did break that uh, the 49ers have cut Malcolm Smith, and a lot of fans on Twitter would like to see him sign with the Giants. What do you think about that? Oh, man. I mean, I think his best days are really behind him. Um I think they're invested enough in Davis and Connolly to not really worry about him, maybe just because of age, because Smith might be a better player than them right now. But, you know, as far as the direction of this team and everything, I don't I don't know if they would really be interested in Smith. Yeah, I, I agree. I personally think I agree with you that his best days are behind them, and I think that... Uh, it's just not necessary to sign a veteran linebacker like that. We've already got Al Gogoltree, and we're paying him w- way too much. And I don't think it's necessary to uh, to just shoehorn another veteran linebacker in there. I'd prefer to see them keep developing their youth, see Connolly and Tay Davis get a lot of playing time. And if they were considering something like that anyway, I would just rather keep B.J. Goodson. I mean, a guy that's in-house. I mean, yeah, he's he hasn't you know panned out to his potential but he's a guy that has played decent enough at times and yeah I mean I've I mean I've made it clear that I'd I'd like to see Goodson stay just for one more year but or maybe he replaces Ogletree next year as the third linebacker yeah and that's that's an excellent point because uh, BJ Goodson he's maybe not looked like what we would like him to look like in his first few seasons but he still is younger than Malcolm Smith, so it's interesting because there's a lot of people who, who want Malcolm Smith to come onto the team, but they also want B.J. Goodson to leave or at the same time, and it's a little interesting. Why wouldn't you want to just keep B.J. Goodson then? Exactly. And I have a little fun fact for you. Do you know that that's Steve Smith's brother? I did. I knew that. I saw that on Twitter this week. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, he... Uh... He showed the hands when he picked off Peyton. <laughs> right. Yeah, in that Super Bowl. And I think that's what most people think of when they think of Malcolm Smith, but they don't really think about the down-to-down consistency 
And, I mean, of course, you know, a play like that just jumps right out to you. But, you know, Malcolm Smith is really not any sort of any sort of answer to this team. Yeah, I agree. Well, we didn't really jump into the Patriots too much because, you know, these fourth this fourth week of the preseason is almost like non-existent for starters. I mean, you might see, like, some high-profile rookies or some guys who haven't really played up to their potential yet. And speaking of that, I'd like to see Lorenzo Carter play maybe a whole half tonight. Uh, mm. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, so, you know, tonight just really try to pay attention to some of the bubble guys we mentioned. Uh, anybody in the Anybody playing in the second half is really playing for their for their job and they're you know they're pretty much auditioning for the entire league and not just the giants so anyone in the second half you know those those guys are really giving it their all tonight yeah and it sucks because this is always the worst time of the year for football because a thousand players are about to be jobless and it's a real shame to see but it just is what it is yeah it's just the nature of the game right well, Anthony, we have our Empire Sports Media draft coming up tonight. Uh, <laughs> which which pick do you have? I've got the third pick, and I'm looking for either McCaffrey or Kamara. And if I'm feeling like it after the draft, I might just trade whoever I draft plus another player to try and get Saquon Barkley, assuming he goes number one, but we'll see. <laughs> Well, I don't think he's making it to you to number three, especially yeah, no, definitely not. Especially with a bunch of New York writers. Good luck with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm in the fifth I'm in the fifth spot, so I'm I'm just trying to pull as much raw value as I possibly can. That should always be the plan. But uh yeah. Good luck with your draft tonight. Uh starts yeah, you in a too, man. couple hours and everybody enjoy the game tonight. It's the last preseason game and before you know it, we'll be on to Dallas. So, Anthony, is there anything else you wanted to tell everyone about? Yeah, just um, check us out on Twitter. Uh, Christian is at NFL, and I'm at Anthony underscore Rivardo, and we like to post our articles there, and we love to interact with fans and just talk football. So check us out and fo- give us a follow. Yeah, absolutely. We're always willing to talk football with everybody. Make sure you go to EmpireSportsMedia.com where you can find your daily New York sports news. And enjoy the game tonight. We'll talk to you next week previewing Dallas.